1: from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.
0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Shooting It Straight with myself, Justin Jackson, and my man, John. It's always easier to get on here and talk whenever they win. But unfortunately, coming off of a loss, uh, North Carolina loses to Syracuse 86 to 79. But before we get into that, let me get a quick shout out to Johnny T-Shirt uh, for all your apparel needs uh, for anything UNC. That's the spot to go to. And also Congruity HR, where Tar Heel fans can get a free payroll and HR needs assessment at any time. So go check them out. Shout out to them for. Uh, sponsoring these videos. Uh, We really appreciate y'all. But John, man, 86-79, to they go down to Syracuse in New York. Uh, Kind of a homecoming for RJ, uh, being from New York himself, obviously probably not how he wanted it to be. Uh, But I think there were a few things. Whenever you look at this game, you look at how the game was going, uh, the flow of the game. I didn't really like it from the start um you know for one i think the biggest uh the the best adjustment i mean you look at the last game that syracuse played north carolina i think they beat them by i mean they mentioned it a million times on the broadcast they beat them by 36 points in the dean dome Um, and i think when we talked uh after that game um, you know it was interesting how it was a new look syracuse playing man to man and being different without coach Beheim on the sideline and then you look at this last game against Syracuse in New York and they went right back to that zone and I think for me when I watched it that the zone is really what messed up the flow of the offense the most now I think when you look at the stats it really didn't it doesn't look like North Carolina had an issue on the offensive end necessarily Um, But when you watch this team throughout this year, a lot of RJ's buckets are off pick and roll and kind of off the flow going against, you know, their sets going against man-to-man defense. Um, And the zone just looked like it had them thinking a little bit more. Um, So, you know, I think there's a few things when you, you know, when you watch this game, Uh, you know, we've been, I got to, you know, I'll always be somebody who, you know, might have, maybe some critiques and things like that, but have to praise certain people. Cormac shot the ball extremely extremely well last night. Um, you know, I think he was a leading scorer in the first half and finished with 18 on 4 of 9 from 3. Um, so, you know, obviously he did something preparing for this game that kind of got him back into a rhythm. Um, so got to give him credit on that. I think Harrison obviously did what he does all the time, um, rebounding. Making some, he made some big shots kind of throughout that game yesterday. Um, Mondo was, you know, 14 and 10. Not a terrible game, uh, but against the zone, it's a little bit tougher for a big because you're not just getting post up catches and, you know, kind of the ability to go one on one or offensive rebounding um, should be. Should be a strength going against his own, uh, but he wasn't necessarily able to get going on the offensive glass as much as he usually does. Um, RJ had, you know, 19 and shot it decent. I wouldn't say it was as efficient as he's been all year, but shot it pretty well. Uh, But it really came down to the defensive side of things, which we've said, you know, we've praised them pretty much you know, the majority of the season, you know, we haven't really known what we're gonna get from game to game offensively with this team, but defensively we've talked about how good they've been defensively. And you look at that game, this last game and they shot 62 and a half percent from the field, 47% from three and 72 from the free throw line shooting 25 free throws. That's not necessarily a recipe for a victory. And, um you know, I think a lot of it goes off of those two guards that they had, Mintz and Starling. I mean, they were kind of getting whatever they want. You know, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, you know, analytics and stats now that say that, like, mid-range is kind of dead and mid-range shots aren't necessarily what you want. It's you either want to get a layup or you want to shoot threes. And uh, I think those two guards last night kind of proved that the mid-range is not dead because they were getting whatever they wanted to. Inside that three-point line, kind of in that 15-foot range, arrogant, whatever they wanted to. Um, and so, obviously, shout out to them for making plays and making shots down the stretch. Uh, but 62 percent—you just, you're not gonna, you're not setting yourself up to to win that game if they're shooting 62 percent. I mean, that for one, that's either means that they're just making a ton of tough shots, and it's just their night, or they're just getting whatever they want. They're comfortable. They're not feeling you know, any kind of, you know, aggressiveness, physicality on the defensive end, they're not feeling any of that. Um, So I think that's what's kind of more worrying for me is, okay, this is kind of what this team has held their hat on, you know, and they just didn't have it last night. I mean, you look at it, I mean, Syracuse only shot 17 threes, you know, they made eight of them. So that means everything else was either in the paint or, you know, at the rim. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of the most glaring thing for me, kind of going forward. Um, can they get both things on the same page, offensively and defensively? Um, you know, obviously the the game right before this one, the Miami game, I was a little worried about because of how tough it is to go play in Miami. and they were able to go in there and do exactly what they were supposed to do and come out with the win. It was, you know, it was definitely a sketchy game towards the end, but uh, defensively, they looked a lot better in that game. They held them to 72 points. Now you look at this game, they had 86, and I think they had like 49 or something like that at halftime, something like that. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's a few different things, um, you know, that I think defensively caused issues for them. I think number one, there just wasn't as much pressure. There wasn't as much Syracuse just kind of looked comfortable all game long. They didn't look like they were sped up at all. They didn't look like, you know, offensively they were running whatever they wanted to run because nobody really took any actions away and things like that. And so you allow these guys to kind of just get comfortable, get into a rhythm, get into a float. And I think that's why you saw these guys, you know, hit some big shots down the stretch because there was no, there was no resistance at all. Um, and so, you know, I think when you look at it, it's, uh, you know, it's one game out of a lot of games that they've proven that they can play defense, but definitely some things to look at. Um, and then, you know, I think an interesting one that that we kind of talked about was against that zone um, offensively, switch it back to the offensive side because I'm way more interested in offense um, but offensively going against that zone it was interesting to kind of see you know they had Elliot kind of in that that middle of the zone you know you rarely see the point guards kind of get that flash action to the to the middle when it's going against a zone um, but i think they had some success with that i think offensively that that uh, helped them a lot just from the standpoint of when you get the ball into the middle you want to have a playmaker there to be able to make plays Either for themselves or be able to kick out or drop off to the bigs down low, and I think you saw it a couple of times with RJ. He got the ball in the middle, or with Elliot, you got he got the ball in the middle and was able to have some kickouts. Uh, they had a couple really well drawn up plays against the zone that I I had never really seen those certain actions. I was actually sitting there with my brother last night and uh, we were watching it, and they drew up one play out of out of a timeout for the zone. To go against the zone, and RJ got a wide open look in the corner, um, and we both looked at each other like I've never seen that kind of action. But that was an unbelievable action to go against the zone. So, you know, this the zone I think definitely disrupted a few things. It didn't it didn't allow them to have a flow. But I feel like they did certain they did some things that definitely helped having Elliot in that middle, or even sometimes putting RJ you know into the flash action and having him be the guy in the middle you know, I think would be good because I think when you, you know, when teams watch this game, I think they're going to definitely think about, at least think about a little bit harder. Do we try to throw a zone in there every once in a while to try to throw them off because they've shown RJ's shown that he can any kind of man to man defense, whether you're trapping him, whether you're, you know, just trying to get the ball out of his hands, he has success against. So, um, you know, I think going against the zone was a good, good thing for North Carolina at the same time, because now they, you know they played against them. Now they got film. They can go back and look. They can work against the zone. Um, but I think, you know, a loss is a loss. Shout out to Syracuse. North Carolina obviously didn't go in there with the right mindset. Uh, Syracuse is a different place to play, anyways, because it's like one half of a football field, and you know it takes a little bit of adjusting to. Obviously, defensively, it's not necessarily the place that you think that you have to adjust, but. Um, you know, once again, shout out to Syracuse. They made plays when they needed to. The tough part about being where North Carolina is right now is every game that you go into, a lot of times you're going to be playing against a team that's a lot more desperate for a win than you are. And that means you have to pick up your level of intensity. You have to pick up um, your attention to detail. Uh, you had to pick up, you know, the, the your execution has to be different. Um, Just little things have to be ramped up just a little bit more because you know they're coming in with a little bit more fire, a little more desperation. Um, And they embarrassed Syracuse last time they played against them. So as a competitor, you're not going to come out there and just lay down because you know that that, this team beat you so bad the game before. So, um, you know, those are kind of a few of my takeaways, man. What did you see as you kind of watched this game go along or some things that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I think, as you said, Syracuse just made shots. I I pulled these stats. uh, UNC provides these. It was the highest percentage by an opponent since Pitt shot 64.5% in a Pitt win uh, in February of 2015. Justin, you just so happened to be on the floor in that game. Uh, That was also uh, the first time an opponent shot 60% from the floor in both halves since that game. So there's two stats right there that you don't want to be uh, a part of if you're the Tar Heels. Um, so I think you kind of can acknowledge that, that, you know, Syracuse hit some tough shots, some t- contested shots. But I think also you you zoom out a little bit and you look at the fact that UNC has now lost three of their last five and the Duke win in there, um, you know, kind of balances things out a little bit. Um, but I think there's a feeling from some, Justin, that maybe UNC peaked at the wrong time of the season or, or peaked, peaked in, in January, something like that. Do you believe in that sort of stuff? Do you believe in peaking at the wrong time in a point of a season? Is that something you've experienced in all your days playing basketball? Uh,
0: I, I don't know if there's really such a thing as peaking um, at the wrong time. I think when you we've talked about all season with this team, I think it's a brand new team. Right. Even though they're what, 25 games in now six brand new players on this roster right and you can't this at the end of the day this isn't just pick up where you say okay i got you i got you i got you let's go out here and play five on five this is a situation where these guys have to be able to gel figure out how they can play together figure out what their strengths are figure out what the team dynamics looks like as far as minutes shots uh where certain people get the ball things like that. And so even though it's 25 games in, I think we've, I think they've shown that, you know, they play pretty well together. And, but at the same time, there's still certain things. They haven't necessarily gone through all of the adverse situations that you would go through in a two or three year span with a certain team. And so when you look at this, uh, this roster, it's a lot of guys who haven't necessarily been in the situation of being the number seven ranked team. Or a few games ago being the number three team, right? And so that it's a different experience than being on a team who maybe isn't necessarily supposed to lose, but isn't supposed to be the best team going into every single game they play. And so I think that's kind of the tough dynamic of this team is they're all trying to figure out how to win and how to continue to win and be consistent in winning. And you know they've shown spurts throughout the season. You know, obviously they were undefeated. I think they were nine and zero in conference play before they kind of started losing some of these games. And they show that they can win. But now it's okay. It's an eighteen game conference season. How do you continue to win? How do you continue to rattle off wins as as the season goes on? And like we talk about, it, and as these teams are a little more desperate because they're trying to make either the the March the NCAA tournament or they're trying to get a higher seat in the ACC tournament. How do you continue to rattle these wins off, uh, you know, each and every game out? And I think that's a dynamic that people don't necessarily – they totally miss. They think that players just kind of come into a situation. They just win games by winning games because they're either better than the other team or they make more shots or things like that. But there's a mindset to winning. And with some of these – you know, with the majority of these guys, Withers came from Louisville. Who I don't know if they did they win an ACC game last year? If it was, know.
1: it was in single digits for sure. Yeah, I,
0: I don't I don't know how much they won an ACC. Uh, Cormac's coming from Notre Dame. Uh, Harrison's coming from Stanford. Uh, Elliott's coming from high school, so he's definitely trying to figure out how to win at this level. Uh, you know, a bunch of these guys just haven't been in this situation, and so if we expect them to be able to just to step in. And just say, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to win 18 straight ACC games, go into the ACC tournament, win the ACC tournament. When we just you can't expect that from guys who have never been in this situation. With that being said, they also have a lot of experience on this team. They also have a lot of older guys. You know, Cormac's 25. They talked about on the TV uh, during the game. Harrison's older. Uh, Elliot's obviously younger, but everybody else is upperclassmen, and so there comes a different type of uh, mentality that those guys have to bring to help Elliot, to help each other as they go into these games. And so it's definitely a balance. Um, It's funny that you mentioned the static uh, with us against Pittsburgh, man, because if that's – it's so funny because we were never in that game against Pittsburgh because that was my freshman year, and I think we talked about it whenever they played Pittsburgh, of how loud it was from the jump, how they – It felt like we couldn't do any right like they they dominated us basically from game from start to finish. When you watch this game, North Carolina was in the game the entire time. Right. Like they were I mean, I think they even they came back and took a lead with like five or six minutes left, I want to say, or something like that, something around there. Um, So they were in the game the whole time. And uh, that's what's so. That's what's confusing slash I can kind of take some encouragement from it because it's like, OK, even when this team is, you know, allowing all of this defensively, they found a way to still stay in the game and be there. But at the same time, 62 and a half percent is an unbelievable percentage. So I think we have to take that into consideration Um that guys are obviously trying to do their job on the court, but at the same time, they're trying to figure out how to be real winners. And it takes a lot to be a winner. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of, um, there's a certain mentality of being locked in game in game out. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that happens, uh, within winning and, you know, these guys are trying to figure it out and hopefully, you know, they can bounce back and figure it out quickly. Um, but you know, at the same time, they've shown they've shown that they can win. So at the same time, maybe I'm just too optimistic. Um, obviously, I hate losing. You know, I, that's not that's not ever okay with me necessarily with losing. Um, but they're still 11 and three in conference. I mean, they've got what four or five, four more games, five more games, something like that. Um, if they win out, they finish. 16 and three in conference or 15 and three in conference. And that's an unbelievable record to have in the ACC. Uh, so once again, maybe I'm just too optimistic. I'm sure fans are probably sitting over here, you know, freaking freaking out thinking certain guys should be playing more. now I think there is a guy that showed that maybe he could have had a little bit more playing time last night uh, in Jalen Washington um, with the way that he came out and, and played right away. But I'm still optimistic that this team is okay. Uh, if they can just get both sides of the ball connected, I think they'll be okay, man.
1: I'm glad you brought up Jalen Washington, because I think in addition to learning how to win, I think this team is also still figuring out a little bit what people's roles are on the bench. Um, this is Hubert Davis's third season now as UNC's head coach. And it's just a fact at this point, he does not heavily utilize the bench. <laughs> it, it just, you know, you, at a certain point, it is what it is. Last year, they were 360th in bench minutes in the country. The year before that, they were 348th. At the beginning of the season, they were in the 200s, but they're back down now uh, to 331st in the country in in bench minutes from, from Ken Tom, that stat is. And i think there were times last night in the game and and we're recording this on on wednesday so in tuesday's game when unc could have used some of the guys that they have on their bench because i think some players have a little bit of a role but maybe they're not getting the opportunity to showcase and i think one specific example is Jalen withers we know that he is a great off-ball cutter he's not great at everything you know, you don't want him bringing the ball up the court or shooting above the break threes <laughs> maybe, but we know that he is a good off-the-ball cutter. That's something that we've seen over the course of the season. Um, and, you know, when you look at the box score from last night's game, I mean, in the limited minutes that he had, he he played pretty well. He had four points, two of two from the field, grabbed a defensive rebound. So, I mean, he made, you have to say that's a positive impact if if you're not missing a shot, but he did not play very much. In the second half, in fact, he might not have played at all. He played seven minutes total. Jalen Washington is is another example. Uh, he also was perfect from the field. Uh, he made a, a three pointer, which is which is good to see for him. He had five points. So, I think you have to keep in mind that it is just a fact. Hubert maybe doesn't necessarily <laughs> lean on his bench all that much, but even with that being said, I think there's opportunities for guys like Jalen Withers. Or Jalen Washington, or Tremble, maybe even Paxton Wojcik or, or Zayden High at times to come in and provide energy. And I think being this late in the ACC season um, and not having some of those things figured out, or maybe even it's a trust thing—maybe not trusting Jalen Withers to play big minutes in the second half of a conference game—that's sort of its own problem. Um, but <laughs> ACC is a grind; it's it's you know it's a grind throughout the entire year. You know maybe. Some guys' legs were getting tired there late in the second half, and that perhaps contributed some of the turnovers. Um, so that's something that was coming to mind as me as, to me as well. Like, how do you figure out ways to put guys in positions to make a positive impact when they do play?
0: You know, it's, it's tough because I would love, and I don't know if you can figure it out quickly, but I would love to know what Coach Williams' usage of the bench was. Um, because... I mean, if you just look across on the other side of the floor, Syracuse played two guys off the bench. One guy played 23 minutes, which is a a pretty decent amount. Um, But another guy played six minutes. That was the only people that touched the floor off the bench for Syracuse. So I think a lot of times we, and I say we as fans, we think that there should be enough minutes to go around. Um, I think when you look at the guys that are coming off the bench for this team, you know, I'll go back to the, to the year. Do you have the 2017 numbers? Yes. I'll so, go back.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. So for 2017, just to kind of set up the, the segment here, bench minutes, UNC played 36.6% of their minutes were benched that ranked 69th in the country. And and some of those guys, Justin.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you look i think that's the biggest difference is you you look at our bench right you had nate coming off the bench who was a proven like he had proven you know for a few years that he was a key contributor for the team uh you had theo coming off the bench for a little bit but he then became a starter once kenny got hurt you had tony coming off the bench who was he led the country in offensive rebounding percentage for the longest time i don't know how he finished up the season but He was one of the best bigs in the entire country coming off the bench for us. Um, And then I guess that's kind of it when you really, I guess that's kind of it. Seventh would come in sometimes. Coach would play him sometimes. Coach would not play him sometimes. So, I mean, you you look at kind of, okay, 36% of our minutes were from the bench. Well, you had guys who had proven multiple years before that that they were key contributors for the team. Jalen Washington whether it's in practice whether it's workouts or whatever that the coaches have seen on a day-to-day basis that we don't get to see obviously hasn't necessarily proven that he should get those kind of minutes Jalen Withers hasn't necessarily proven like we talk about he was on a losing a losing team before he came here and now there's at the beginning of the season Jalen Withers was supposed to be that basically that last starter and now he's playing seven minutes in this game. So there's something going on in practice or in workouts that the coaches don't necessarily trust for him to play a good amount of minutes. And then I think for me it's more interesting that Seth only played 11 minutes. When he's been – we've talked about it. He's been one of the more consistent guys throughout the season for this team off the bench. Um, but it's, it's just tough because for me it's hard to make – A analysis over the bench because I'm not, I haven't seen them do things in years past to prove, okay, this guy should definitely be playing. Right. Like we're going off of basically game to game with these guys. Like, okay, well, Jalen Washington went two for two. He he shot that first three, didn't even touch rim. Like, why isn't he playing more? Like we're going off of each each game. And then there'll be some games where he might go one for three and give up three offensive rebounds and say, okay, no, we need to get him out, you know? So it's, it's, it's a different feeling when it comes to the bench rotation for me, as opposed to how it was with the years that I was there at school. Um, So I think that's the difference in all of that, you know? And I, I think that's why you see guys play such heavy minutes in the starting lineup, because those guys have proven that, Hey, these are the guys that we need to have in there on a game to game basis. So it's tough as ACC play goes on because the problem is the rotation just kind of gets shorter and shorter as tournament play starts and things like that. So, I mean, like we talk about, there's five games left. Maybe these guys, whether it's in practice or in the games going forward, maybe they can kind of carve out more minutes for themselves by proving that, hey, I can be a key contributor for this team and to help this team win. But that's the hardest thing is we can sit here and say like, oh, well, I can't remember what the game was but Jalen washington had 18 points and eight boards and Jalen withers went perfect that one game uh i think it was maybe against louisville playing against his old team uh, why is he not playing more well two games ago he gave up three offensive rebounds he turned the ball over twice he and obviously these aren't real stats but uh, like it's game to game with these guys they haven't solidified themselves as as being Key guys on a consistent basis. So uh, that's what's so hard about bench minutes, is they're not carved out within the game. A lot of times they're carved out in the off season they're carved out in the preseason practices, the preseason conditioning, the practices leading up to the games. Like that's whenever the bench is really made. And um, you know, whether they're whether the coaching staff is right or not, obviously they haven't seen what they need to see from these guys to play them consistently. So I think that's kind of my take when it comes to the bench. Um, You know, I've also played from the bench while being in the NBA and and in certain situations. And that's kind of how it goes. If you haven't proven it to me before we step on the court, you know, with the lights on, then how can I trust you uh, necessarily game in and game out? So I think that's kind of, how I feel about it. I don't know necessarily if that's how the coaching staff feels about it. And that's why they play certain guys. But if I had to kind of take a guess as to why it's like that, I think that's kind of why. So,
1: And it's like that old quote, you know, everyone's favorite quarterback is the backup quarterback. You know, (laughs) you never, you know, you never appreciate, you know, and the coaches, like you said, they see it a lot more. There's a reason why, uh, you know, Cooper Rush or whoever isn't coming every time Uh, Dak Prescott throws an interception. I'll add in as well, Kansas has a lower percentage of bench minutes than UNC and Kansas is a top 10 team. They're, they're doing just fine. As you were saying, Justin, there are uh, six games left in the ACC regular season. UNC plays Virginia tech on Saturday. And I want to take a quick look at the ACC standings as well. Um, You know, as you said, UNC is first place in the ACC. So if UNC uh, fans are having a meltdown, you can only imagine what the other ACC teams must be feeling right now. Um, But UNC is in first place. They're at 11-3 in the ACC as of Wednesday morning when we're recording this. Duke and Virginia are right on their tail, um, and UNC gets the opportunity to play those teams um, over the next few weeks to close out the ACC regular season. Justin, as a player, how would you approach these last few weeks of the ACC season? Are you checking the standings to understand where UNC is um, in your goal of trying to reach that ACC regular season title? Um, And what would be sort of your advice almost for for this UNC team? What do you want to see out of these last six games?
0: You just want to be playing your best basketball going down the stretch. And obviously, losing two out of the last three, three of the last five isn't necessarily what you want to see. Um, I think there's lessons that they can take from each of those losses. Uh, but you just want to be, you know, people say getting hot at the right time. You look at the team two years ago with Caleb and RJ. And I mean, they were, for a lack of better words, they were a bad team the majority of the year. And all of a sudden come tournament time, they were the hottest team and they were playing the best out of all, basically every team out there and made it all the way to the final four, made it to the championship and, had a chance to win it and so when you when you look at a team that's actually better in this team um, overall you just want them to get to that point where they're consistent and playing the best that they've played all year going into the tournament and i think that's one thing that i have to give credit to coach williams when i was there he always seemed to find a way to get us to play the best basketball that we played going down the stretch i don't know how he did it i don't know necessarily what the methods were to it But we always seem to be playing our best basketball going, you know, kind of towards the tournament play and things like that. And with this team, they've proven all year that they can play defense. You know, obviously, last game was a little bit of a, you know, an asterisk. Um, I think that, like, we talk about the aggressiveness and the physicality and the pressure and things like that weren't necessarily the same. But they've proven that they can be a really good defensive team. The majority of the season we've talked about offensively, can Cormac hit shots? Can Harrison hit enough shots? Can Mondo be aggressive down low? Can RJ be as consistent as he's been, you know, the whole entire season? So if they can connect both of those two things, if they can get everybody playing the right way offensively, everybody being confident stepping in the shots confidently, um, and then defensively being able to, you know, cause issues that, like they have all season long, I think that's exactly what you ask for. You ask for them to kind of figure things out as the season goes on. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. There's going to be a lot of things for this team to figure out because of how new it is, how many new players, how many guys are you know, transferring in and Elliot coming in early and things like that. If they can figure that out going into tournament play, I think they're in a great spot. Like you said, they're number one right now, so they basically they hold – the keys to the rest of their to their future. If they went out, there's nobody else that can take over the number one spot. So for me, I wouldn't necessarily even focus on standings. I wouldn't focus on I mean, they're going to see it and they're gonna see hey, we're number one. But there's, I want to say Virginia might be right below them. Um, and there's some teams that are trying to, you know, fight their way up. But if we take care of what we need to take care of and control, what we can control then we can control the future and the rest of our season. And, you know, that's kind of the mindset that I would take, not necessarily watching the standings each and every day and looking and seeing who's winning and losing and things like that. For instance, our, I think it was my sophomore year, uh come to find out we knew before the game uh, because somebody had lost. I can't remember who it was that had lost. But the coaching staff knew before the game that a certain team had lost. So we had already won the ACC regular season, but it was the last game against Duke and nobody knew as far as players um, because we wanted to go out there. I guess the coaching staff wanted us to go out there and play as if we needed, needed this win to win the ACC. And I think that's the mindset that you have to have as far as, okay, let's go control what we can control. And if we can do that, then we, are good in good standings and you know I think that's kind of what this team is you look you know next game Virginia Tech play against a former player and Bo Nickel um then you go against Virginia which that's always a tough one with that pack line defense then you go against Miami which was a tough one as well uh and then you finish up with you know two rivals NC State and Duke and then obviously Notre Dame you know squeeze in between those two but I mean, what better games to kind of get back on track with, right? You've got Duke, NC State. You've got a Virginia game that's going to be tough. Miami obviously played them tough. So, what better games to figure it all out, you know, than, you know, those, those tougher games? And I would rather them be playing games like this down the stretch than playing against like a Boston college or, you know teams that are at the very very bottom of the ACC because now we come off a loss now we got to figure out how to bounce back against a good team which is exactly what you have to do in the tournament play It might not it's not going to be off of a loss but you got to figure out okay we might not have played the way that we wanted to in this game now we got to bounce back against another good team who just came off of a win in the you know the round of 32 or whatever it is so i'm interested to see how they figure it out um i'm pretty positive that they will figure it out but you know, for them, it's controlling controlling their own destiny. I mean, if, they, if they control what they control, I think they'll be in a good spot.
1: I forgot about that. Tyler Nickel is at Virginia Tech. Uh, yep. He's shooting. 40... Tyler, sorry, not Bo. I'm thinking UFC. My bad, Tyler. Tyler <laughs> Nickel. He's shooting forty four point eight percent from three in in conference play. Not not too bad. As you said, Virginia Tech comes to Chapel Hill two o'clock on Saturday. Justin, take us out. Uh, after this latest loss for UNC,
0: my takeaways, man, defensively, I think there there wasn't necessarily the same pressure and aggressiveness that they've shown game in and game out, and I think you saw that in the percentages and how those two guards, Mints and Starling, played. Uh, I think they both had 25 or something like that. And um, you know, it's just it's going to be really hard to win a game, even though they were in it. It's going to be really hard to win a game when a team shoots 60 and 45 percent from the field and from three-point line and shoots 25 free throws. That's going to be really, really difficult to win. And, um, you know, if they get back to kind of how they've been playing defense, I think they'll be fine. But an encouraging sign was offensively. Guys were really making some shots. Um, I think they could have taken care of the ball a little bit down the stretch. They had some key turnovers. But if they can get both things connected, if they can get offense to be flowing the way that they kind of had it flowing a little bit last night, They can get defensively back to switching, causing havoc, putting pressure on these on the guys with the ball and things like that. I think this team has everything it takes. I'm gonna continue to say that until they prove me otherwise. One loss, a couple losses, isn't gonna all of a sudden make me run and hide from this team. So going down the stretch, if they control what they can control, win the ACC, go into the ACC tournament with that momentum. And then take it into the NCAA tournament. I think this team will be fine. So, all those people tweaking out right now and freaking out, oh, oh, Jalen Washington, Jalen Withers, they need to play 35. We need to no. Let's let's sit back, let's relax, let's watch as they finish these last six games, and if they can connect things the way they can, they need to connect things, and I think everything will be okay. So. Uh, that's kind of my thoughts going out to everybody watching and listening. We appreciate you as always. I hope that y'all, uh, I guess we're recording unfortunately on Valentine's day. Um, so I hope everybody had a great Valentine's day, uh, and was able to spend some good times with your loved ones, family and friends and things like that. Uh, we always appreciate the support and, uh, until next time, hopefully you in in the wind column next time we come around, but we appreciate y'all. And until next time.